I was going to be reading from Matthew's gospel, but as the week progressed in the wake of Harvey and now Irma at this very hour hitting land in Florida, and who knows what Hosea is going to do next, it became apparent to me that I did not want to preach on the centurion's faith this Sunday, but I want to preach on storms. And so the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark, glory to you, Lord Christ. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go over on the other side. And leaving the crowds, they took him with them in the boats, just as he was, and there were other boats with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the vessel, so the boat was already filling And Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said, Why were you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with fear and said, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired Mark to record these words. We believe they had power in Mark's day, and we believe they have power today if we will but hear them. And so we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, open this word to us, perhaps as never before, that we would be changed more and more to be like Christ. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. I'm reading from Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. The question is, How do we learn to pray with faith during storms? How do we learn to pray with faith during storms? Lorne was one of the first people I met in Ottawa. He worked in campus ministry with InterVarsity, working with graduate students. He was in his mid-40s, which I thought was old back then. And suddenly... Lauren developed mouth cancer, and it was horrifying how quickly it literally ate away at him. And then we got the call, would we come and pray with Lorne probably for the last time? How do we pray with faith in the midst of a storm? How do we pray with faith during storms? Verse 37 of our text, Mark 4, 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. The disciples are in real danger. They're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And even to this day, the Sea of Galilee can be as clear as glass one minute. And then a wind comes in from the Golan Heights and will turn what was a calm sea into an absolute nightmare storm. And on this little boat they're in, 
they are facing real, real danger. And I mean, as I'm looking at this text, I realize that so often we take texts and try to apply them metaphorically to storms in our lives, and yet for millions of people right now, this text literally applies. People who are literally in a storm, I think six million people live in the evacuation zone in Florida, six million. Real danger. How do we learn to pray with faith during a storm? But, but I have to say though, even for us in this room, it's not just about how do we pray for those suffering from Irma or from Harvey. But what storms are you facing in your life? What storms have happened recently or are happening right now, or you're worried maybe right around the corner. What storm are you facing? See, here's how the disciples pray into the res- in response to their storm. Verse 38, it's a prayer of sorts. They go to Jesus and say, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? It's a prayer. Jesus, do you not care that we're dying here? We're perishing. I mean, it sounds a little bit like the Psalms. It does, Psalm 44. Listen to these words from Psalm 44. This is why I love how earthy and messy the Psalms can be. Psalm 44, verse 22. Yet for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do you... Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up and come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. I love the Psalms because the Psalms show us how to pray. We can be real with God. We can be angry with God. And guess what? He's big enough to take it. It's messy. And and here's what I want you to hear first before I go on. That God hears this prayer. Even in the midst of fear and chaos and anger and messiness, God can hear that prayer. But what we learn in this story is that Jesus is saying, okay, I can hear your prayer even when you're full of fear. But you know what I want to teach you how to do? Is how to pray with faith, not with fear. I want you to learn how to pray with faith in the midst of a storm. I want your faith to survive a storm. I want your faith to be a bedrock for you during your storm. Verse 40, Jesus says this. He says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See, the word faith, the best way to translate it in the Bible, when you hear the word faith, is the word trust. Where's your trust? Do you trust me? I mean, the whole of Scripture is really one big question from God Almighty to his people. Will you trust me even in this? Will you trust me is what God is saying. Today, our Second oldest daughter turned 13. So talk about chaos in the house. I've got two teenagers now. Um, 
But we took Sophie and a bunch of her friends yesterday uh, ice skating. We wanted to, uh, you know, sort of, you know, force a bunch of Texans onto the ice. Um, And so we did that. And it was great. But during the party as we were skating, uh, out came a guy dressed like Darth Vader on skates. I'm not joking. And he's skating around. Darth Vader's on the ice. And I swear I became like a nine-year-old. I was so excited, I'm up there, and I'm taking selfies with Dark Vader, and finally, the mother of this other birthday party for little kids that had actually hired Darth Vader to come had to come up to me and not that politely remind me that this was for the kids. (laughs) But I got my selfie with Darth Vader. But it reminded me, it reminded me as as we were going through this moment of, of... Moments I've had in the past, you know, looking at, at passages like fear. And uh, this, I've done this way too many times with different texts. But you remember back before there was Google, if you ever wanted to find something in the Bible, you had to use those big concordances. Remember, there was those big books and they had every word in the Bible indexed and you'd have to go through and find it and you couldn't Google it. So I was looking for fear passages because I had this quote in my head that I was sure that would be good for a sermon. It's, it's somewhere in the Bible, where does it say? And so I'm scanning through and I, I'm, I can't find it. I can't find that word, that, that, that verse that says, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Now, all the Star Wars generation in the room just knows what I'm talking about because it's not Jesus that says that, it's Darth Vader that says that. And I spent like two hours with a concordance trying to find that. But the point is our lack of faith is the problem. It's our constant problem. I remember a friend of mine uh, sitting with a group of us a number of years ago uh, when we were all you know, sharing some of our cares and concerns, and, and, and he said, You know, it sounds like you pray like I pray, he said. You, Paul, pray like I pray sometimes. And here's how we pray. Oh, Lord, will you reduce the severity of my situation so that my lack of faith will be sufficient? Lord, will you reduce the severity of my situation so that my lack of faith will be sufficient? And it's so true. It's so true in my life. So often I find myself praying, oh Lord, change the circumstance. I'm not asking you to change my level of faith. How do we learn to pray with faith during storms? Well, Jesus shows us in this passage, this moment in the life of Jesus becomes for us a picture of how we as the church can grow in our faith during storms. How we can learn to pray with faith more faith in the storms that we are facing. You see, we find in this storm that in this storm, Jesus is present. We find in this storm that Jesus is powerful. But above all, we find in this storm that Jesus brings his peace. I will open that up in a minute, what that really means. What does it mean that Jesus brings his peace to that storm? First, he brings, he he is present. Jesus is present in the storm. Verse 36, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with them. I mean, it's so simple, but it's so profound all at once. Jesus is in the boat with them in the storm. We can never get past this. 
Jesus is in the boat with them. Where is God in this? He's right here. He's sleeping on a cushion, but he's right here. Jesus is with us. Matthew chapter 28, what's the last word that Jesus says to his disciples? He's about to ascend into heaven. The last word is not the Great Commission. As amazing as that is, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. No, the last word is this, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you. Jesus is present in the storm. Many of you know that years ago, um, our, our, our daughter Sophie, who's now 13, for seven years went through chronic illness in and out of the children's hospital for seven years between age two and age nine. So many, hundreds of trips. And of course, we'd go in and I'd be fussing around her and you know, she's got tubes coming out of her and just, just the horror for a parent. And I'd be saying again and again things like, oh, you know, are you okay? Can I, what can I do for you? Is, is there anything I can do? Do you need anything? And, and more than once, this, this kid at different ages within that two grade, you know, age two to age nine would say these kind of things to me. She'd say, Daddy, I'm okay. I know God is with me. And I'd say, really? I mean, here's the priest, right? <laughs> really? And she'd say, well, he said he would be. He did. I mean, oh, that we could have the eyes of a child of faith, the faith of a child. He said he'd be here. So I believe him. And he was. And he is. He's in the storm. He's present. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus is present in the storm, but also Jesus is powerful in the storm. Look at verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and the sea became a great calm. Literally, when he says to the sea, peace, be still. Peace means silence. Silence. He's hushing the sea. And the sea obeys. And then he says, be still, and it literally means be muzzled. Like a wild animal, putting a muzzle on a wild animal. You wild animal of the sea, be muzzled. And it's muzzled. Jesus speaks these words of command over the wind and the sea, and they obey him. The disciples certainly didn't expect that. I don't know what they expected, but they did not expect that. That's why in verse 41, they're going to say, who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him? They don't expect him to do this. And my question is, what do we expect when we pray? What are our expectations? I mean, expectations are really important. Uh, during Sophie Jane's birthday yesterday, um, one, of the, uh, one of the girls from the church uh, was over, and uh, she, she had never been in our home, and she said, Father Paul, she said, I didn't expect your home to look like this. And I said, what do you, what do you mean? And she said, well, it's so normal. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and she said, I was expecting it would be decorated with a lot more Canadian stuff. And I was saying to myself, like, like what, like beaver pelts? 
and cases of moosehead beer and pictures of William Shatner or something. I mean, I didn't expect this. But isn't it true that our expectations of God are so important? I mean, what do we expect when we pray? Do we expect Jesus to show up in power? Do we expect him to move, to do something? Or most of the time, if we're honest, are we sort of throwing a prayer out there, but really I don't expect God to do much. The church needs to recover a confidence in the power of Jesus in the midst of storms. That he moves miracles. He, he will bend nature. That he can do things. He's powerful even today. He still calms sea storms. And even as we're praying for Harvey relief, as we're praying for Irma at this moment, do we pray with that kind of confidence? Do we say, oh Lord, would you now, in your power, work and save and rescue and protect and do your mighty deeds among us? Do we pray with that kind of confidence? We need to learn to pray like we believe miracles can happen. I mean, hockey season begins in 28 days. The Dallas Stars are ready for a miracle. I know the Cowboys started today. Do they need a miracle this year? Well, I'll let the, you decide that. All right. I know nothing about football. But this leads to an important clarification. Really important. See, it's not just that Jesus is present in the storms. And it's not just that Jesus is powerful to act in these storms. But finally, Jesus is specifically bringing his peace into that storm. And here's what I mean by that. I mean he's bringing his ultimate purposes to bear on that storm. See, it's not about invincibility. It's not about pray hard enough and nothing will come at you and harm you. It's not about some kind of vending machine version of faith. Put in enough faith quarters and you'll get out whatever you want from God. That's not how the scriptures speak. Jesus says in John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, I've overcome the world. In this world you'll have trouble, but fear not, I've overcome the world. You see, Jesus brings his peace into these storms, and it's his ultimate purpose. And we see that in verse 38. There's this key word, this key word in verse 38 that I think points us to the whole central point of this passage. He was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Perishing. Do you not care that we're Perishing. And it's a key word. Well, the word perish here, apolomai, it's, it's, it means destroy. It means total destruction. And interestingly, if you hear that word apolomai, it's a word that gets used in the book of Revelation. You see, in the book of Revelation, some of you went through that with us last year, that, that horrendous vision when hell opens up and the general of the armies of hell comes out of the ground. What's his name? Apollyon. Same word. The destroyer. The destroyer comes. And see what Jesus is doing here by this perish word is pointing to the greatest purpose that he's come. He's come to deal with all that would destroy us, all that would ultimately make us perish. 
For is it not John 3.16 that says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end, that same word, those who believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. It's about this ultimate storm. This ultimate storm that we are facing. You see, there's a storm that every one of us is going to face eventually. No matter what our particular storms are now, if this one doesn't get us, one of the ones down the road will. Eventually, one of these storms is going to be the end of us. Because the final storm every human being faces is the storm of death. Everyone faces it. There's this place in France called Le Lavandu. And they got some headlines a number of years ago because their graveyards ran out of space. And so the city councilors thought they could solve the problem. They passed a law that said it is illegal for people to die within this jurisdiction. <laughs> and people just keep breaking the law there all the time. Because death comes for us all. Death is the final storm that comes to each of us. And so as we're in the midst of our own individual storms, the question that Jesus is coming to ultimately deal with is how will you face down that final storm? How will you face it? How will you survive this final storm that is coming? How will you face your eventual perishing? See, 2 Corinthians 5, 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, says, God made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God, that we might have the right standing before God. And then he goes on to say this, he says, God was in Jesus Christ reconciling us to humanity, reconciling God to humanity, that Jesus was making peace between humanity and God so that we could stand before him. Peace. Peace would be made. And that peace is so vital. His peace. Because it's ultimately, at the end of the day, all we can stand on. Storms may come and go, but when that final storm of death comes, that final perishing storm comes, what will be the end of us if that peace has not been established? His peace, his peace that we call the peace which passes understanding. We say it at the end of every service, don't we? The peace of God which passes understanding. That peace, Jesus' peace that he makes. You see, Lazarus is going through a storm when he dies, right? Remember, Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. That's a storm and Jesus comes and he, he does something about it. He raises Lazarus from the dead. There's all these people who are sick around Jesus in his ministry and he goes and heals them and they get better. And there's storms and he calms them. But guess what? They're only partial healings. They're only partial mighty deeds. And here's what I mean by that. Lazarus eventually gets sick and dies again because he's not sitting here today, is he? Those people Jesus healed, their bodies broke down eventually and they died. And there was other storms that came along. You see, Jesus' healing and his mighty deeds were temporary and partial miracles that were pointing signposts to the ultimate healing that he'd come for, which was to heal us from death. 
That's why Paul can write with so much confidence in 1 Corinthians 15. He can write these words that he's mocking death. Paul's literally calling death out, the final enemy. When he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus comes to bring his peace. You know, there's a moment near the end of Jesus' earthly life where he was in another storm. He was hanging on a cross, facing the storm of death. He was dying for us. And you know, as he was hanging there, bearing the sins of the world on his shoulders, as he was staring death down, just like in that boat where he stared down the sea and the wind and he spoke to them, and he said to the sea and the wind, silent, be still. Jesus, as he hang on that, hung on that cross, he spoke in that storm as well. And guess what he said to death that day? It is finished. And it was. Because three days later, death could not hold him. This is what we mean by his peace. How do we pray with faith during storms? We know that Jesus is present in our storms. We know that Jesus is powerful in his storms. We pray into that power, oh Lord Jesus, move. But ultimately we know that in the midst of storms, he brings his peace. Oh, would we believe it? Lauren was one of the first people I met in Ottawa he worked in campus ministry with InterVarsity, ministering to graduate students. He was in his mid-40s, which I thought was old back then, and suddenly, Lorne developed mouth cancer. And it was horrifying how quickly it literally ate him away. And we got the call to come and pray with Lorne, probably one last time. How would we pray with faith in this storm? Well, we talked about hockey for a while. And then we talked about church and family. And then Lauren said, do you know what I wrote my master's thesis on? We said, no. He said, it was on the book of Job. He said, I feel like I'm living it. And then he said, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray for my healing today. But more importantly, I want you to pray that I would know his peace. For I believe that this storm may have the best of me in the next couple days. Help me hold firm to the peace of Jesus' resurrection. And so we prayed. And the next day, Lauren died. And as we walked into the church, to begin his funeral. Those words of victory echoed through that church as we said, death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He had faced 
the ultimate storm, and Jesus had been faithful. He knew in that moment Jesus' ultimate peace, which passes understanding. How do we learn to pray with faith during storms? He's here. He's present. He's powerful. Oh, would we ask him to move in power. And he ultimately comes to give you and me that ultimate peace which passes understanding. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for those who are suffering from the results of Hurricane Harvey and those who are right now in the midst of Hurricane Irma and those who've suffered already through Irma. Lord Jesus, we believe you are present in the midst of your people and so we pray, show your presence. Lord Jesus, we know your power And so we pray boldly that you would move, move heaven and earth to protect and guard and save now in this very moment. And we pray ultimately, Lord Jesus, that all this would point a people to your ultimate peace, that people would turn to you And know that peace which passes understanding. Lord Jesus, that you would be faithful even in our death. And Lord, we pray this all, not just for Irma, but for each storm that is in this room today. Come Holy Spirit, show us how to pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.